Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Bringing Grace to the Nations podcast. I am your host, Victor, and I am really excited for this episode, this week, and like the next maybe year or two. I don't know. I am really excited for the next few episodes. I don't know how long I'm going to be doing this or really what I'm doing yet. I still need to formulate my my ideas, but I am super excited to talk about what we're going to be talking about today and hopefully for the next few weeks, months, years, every so often I am really excited. So, if you guys know a little bit about the ministry, back when it was started, back when the podcast began, the podcast was to its purpose, like our vision statement was to equip Christians theologically to engage the culture for the great commission. So, our our past was to teach theology to Christians so that they would be equipped to go into the culture, to the nation, across the world, and be able to teach the Bible well and win souls for Christ. That was... That was kind of the the motivation behind why we started this podcast. And um, if you go back and you listen to probably the first thirty or so episodes, you will see a lot. And when I say a lot, I mean you're, we're talking about dense theology. We're talking about reform theology. We're talking about eschatology and end times. We're talking about like who is the church? Are we talking about the Jews or the Gentiles? Like we really do talk about some pretty deep theology. And uh, over the past, I don't know, 20 or so episodes, we haven't drifted from that. We've still been very uh, dense theologically, but there's been a lot more application. We've had a lot more um, challenges, and, and, and I'm, I'm hoping that what the theology that we're giving you is uh, more able to apply to your life. And so instead of just listening on a, a podcast, you know, on eschatology for two hours and then being like, okay, what do I do with this? Hopefully now, uh, you're getting a little bit, okay. I listened to a podcast, uh, on, you know, grace for 30 minutes. Now, how do I see God's grace in my life? And how does that prompt me to go, uh, fulfill the great commission and play my role in that? So hopefully that's what you've seen kind of happen in over the past few, uh, about a year or so now that the podcast has been out, but today I have gotten something in the mail and I am super excited. Today I got Louis Burkhoff's Systematic Theology from GLH Publishing in the mail and I'm really excited. In fact, over the next few, uh, probably about a year or two, I will be page by page going through this thing just in my personal life, especially over the summer this year. Um, the if you if you've never if you don't know what a systematic theology is basically a systematic theology is topical it walks through the bible's main topics and systematically walks through them uh, to hopefully help break down what the text is actually saying it's really specific on a lot of doctrines on the who god is who we are who the holy spirit is what our role is in light of who god is there's a lot of really deep theology that is hidden within systematic theologies predestination eschatology the church ecclesiology basically all your ologies so you have your anthropology ecclesiology pneumatology, soteriology, all of those are summed up in systematic theologies. And I say summed up, they're usually about a thousand pages, but they are explained in systematic theologies. And so I'll just, I'll just go ahead and open to the, to the table of contents real quick. So part one, it talks about God and then sin 
and then man, and then Christ, and then grace, and then the church. Um, oh, that's it. Yeah, so those are the five parts. Um, the doctrine of God, the doctrine of man in relation to God, the doctrine of the person and the work of Christ, the doctrine and application of the work of redemption, and the doctrine of the church and the means of grace. And then the, actually the last part is the doctrine of last things. And so I am more than excited to dive into Louis Burkhoff's systematic theology. I've read a lot about Louis Burkhoff. I agree with a lot of his theology. I love his writing and how smooth it is. Uh, I really love that he's a more recent writer, um, but he's not a modern writer. I like that um, we can get his book for $13 on Amazon, so that's kind of awesome. Uh, it was very budget-friendly. And so I'm going to link to the Systematic Theology in the show notes, and I'm going to recommend you guys pick up the Systematic Theology. But I want to answer the question, why? What is the purpose of you reading a systematic theology. Like it might make sense for me because I'm in Bible school, right? I'm taking theology classes where I have books like this, textbooks like this. It makes sense for people who are desiring to step into a leadership or pastoral role, right? Like those positions, it makes sense. But what if you aren't called to be a pastor? Your ministry is elsewhere, maybe at your job, uh, maybe in your community with your neighbors, maybe you're not called to be a pastor, maybe you're not called to go to seminary, what role does dense theology like this play in your life? And that is the question that we're going to be trying to answer today. And so I'm just free-throwing it here. We're just going to play with some things. We're just going to take a look at it. And then after we answer this question today, why is it important for everyday Christians to have a decent knowledge on theology, biblical theology and systematic theology. Why is it important for that? We're going to answer that today. And then over the next few weeks, months, years, I'm not too sure, every so often, I am actually going to walk through a lot of the doctrine that's in this book. Now, uh, if you guys are familiar with doctrine and devotion, they are doing something uh they're walking through the 1689 where they're reading a paragraph of it and then talking about it. Unfortunately, I can't do that with this book because there are over 700 pages in this book as compared to the 1689 that might have 25 paragraphs. So we can't, we can't go paragraph by paragraph, but what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be walking through each main section and reading what I think Burkhoff's main point is of that section, and then we are going to dive into that theology and what Burkhoff has to say about that theology. So if you really want to follow along with what we're going to be doing on the podcast, then I seriously recommend you pick up a copy of this so that you can read along with us so that when we talk about it on the podcast, you can be uh, caught up to what we're going to be talking about and be able to hear the podcast in context. And hopefully this will uh, help you guys develop a deeper theology and a deeper understanding of God. And so I'm super excited about this. We're not going to be doing it every week. We're still going to be doing our normal podcasting. Uh, we might be doing it every week over the next few weeks, but it won't remain every week. I might end up doing it once a month or something like that, or maybe some bonus episodes here or there where we just kind of talk about uh, the systematic theology. It's a great book. I love Louis Burkhoff, and I am excited to dive into it. But 
why should we read systematic theology? Well, my number one point, uh, my number, well, not my only point, but like an important point. I think it's a point that uh, kind of transcends all the other points. This is the most important. And I think it's that we are called to. Uh, we're not, I, I'm not going to say we are called to read like systematic theology, right? Or we're not called to read Louis Burkhoff or Wayne Grudem or all these other authors. But I think as Christians, we are called to know God better. I, I, I think that's a part of our sanctification, right? So we are sanctified and that is to cause our heart to look more like the heart of Jesus. And that happens progressively throughout our life. But if our heart is to look more like Jesus, then we need to also cultivate our mind to know more about him. If we don't know anything about Jesus, if we are surface level theologians, then we are going to handicap our sanctification because we're ignorant of the resources that we have. So I don't want to spend too, too much time on that. And uh, there's a few, I'm not going to say sanctification is dependent on uh, your theological knowledge. That's not what I'm saying, but I am saying that it plays a huge role. And I think as a part of our sanctification, we need to be actively pursuing a deeper knowledge of God. The better we understand God, the better stand we, the better we understand ourselves and the better we understand the relationship that we have between us. And so we have a high view of God, a low view, a view of self and a proper view of Christianity. Uh, I, I really think that for us to have a, a dense understanding of who Jesus is, we need to study theology. And that doesn't, like I said, doesn't necessarily mean that you have to read systematic theologies or biblical theologies. That might just mean you do really good Bible studies and you read passages in context and you are getting the cross references and the Lord is ministering to your heart through your Bible study. Sanctification isn't, uh, or knowledge of Jesus and, and God isn't, uh, restricted to systematic theologies. They are supplementary. They are just here to explain the text. The Bible is where we get our theology and our doctrine. And so I really think that we are called to be better theologians by by attempting to know Jesus better. And uh, we just need to try our best at that. We really do. We need to put our effort into that because the better we know Jesus, the better we will know our calling and be in line with him and our hearts will be aligned, right? Uh, I just think I just think that's a no-brainer. We are called to be theologians. We are called to know Jesus. So that is the first point that I have is that we are called to, but I think there's a few more. Um, and personally for me, I think the next one is that I'm just, I just like it. Like I enjoy learning more about Jesus. I enjoy learning more about God and God blesses the things that we enjoy as long as they are not sinful. God blesses the things that we enjoy. We can enjoy the life God has given us where we may suffer and we will suffer and we are called to suffer well. But that doesn't mean that we can't enjoy the life God has given us. There's a post that I saw recently that just, I mean, I, I could start cussing right now because uh, because of how much I hated it. But someone posted on Facebook something like, uh, if you are living your best life now, then you're going to hell. That was the post. I think if you are living your best life now, you are going to hell. That is just such a stupid point of view. Like, it's, it's just really dumb, like, in, in the most basic sense. Sure, Joel Olstein says to live your best life now. I understand that he says that. But Jesus is causing me to live my best life now, and I'm not going to hell for it. My life has been radically transformed by the power of the gospel because of what Jesus did on the cross. 
And when I look to that, my life has been so radically changed by him. And, and Christians would agree with that. Christians who uh, have come from a life of addiction and a life of abuse and a life of trouble who have been set free by the power of the cross can look back at their life and say that I am living a better life now because of Jesus. And so he blesses the things that we like to do as long as it's not sinful. Um, and I mean, you can go read John Piper. He has a lot of really good stuff on that with Christian hedonism. Um, we get to God enjoys us enjoying him. I don't know if I said that right, but it's just true. So I enjoy doing it. And I think Christians, at least on the most basic level, should enjoy getting to know God better. There might be seasons of life or moments in time where we're like, yeah, I'm just not in the mood to read the Bible or I'm just like, I'm just not feeling it right now. And I'm like, okay, all right. Like we go through seasons of that. I'm right there with you. Sometimes opening my Bible isn't my first reflex or right when I wake up, like that's not the first thing I go to all the time. And, and, and other times though, like I am on fire. Like I, I just can't do anything else, but get into my Bible. I just can't do anything else, but read commentaries and study theology and know God better. Uh, but those two things taken in cons- into consideration, I think underlying those Christians just have a desire to understand God more. We desire to see God's face. We desire to see him reveal himself to us. I don't think any Christian would sit here and say, oh yeah, like God revealed himself to me yesterday and I just hated it. Like it just stunk. I don't think any like genuine Christian would say that. Um, And if they did, well, then there's some serious immaturity there. But I think if we enjoy doing it, God will bless it. And so if we enjoy reading the Bible, then he'll bless it. And so that's one of the reasons why I enjoy reading systematic theology is because I enjoy it. And I love learning more about the God who stepped out of heaven to die for me. Um, and so, yeah, that's probably the second point. Uh, the third point, and this one is a little bit more important than just me enjoying it is I think it has to do with biblical literacy within the church. I think the church congregations, uh, specifically within the Southern Baptist convention, uh, don't know anything about the Bible, like in its most genuine sense, you can go back and listen to the podcast where we talk about the state of theology. It was a, it was a survey that came out, I don't know, about six months ago, probably a little bit longer than that, maybe a year ago. And it just kind of, uh, it just kind of knocked me over of how just like the biblical literacy rate is so down. I think it was over well over 50% of Christians said that Jesus was the best thing God created. Okay. Well, Jesus wasn't created. So no, um, like 40% of Christians said that God accepts the worship of all other religions, Muslim, uh, Buddhist, uh, all these other religions, like 40% of self-proclaiming Christians said that God, the God of the universe, the God that provided the one and only way to salvation through Jesus Christ, who has given us his divine word, who speaks to us daily and who desires us to speak to him. Christians think that God accepts the other worship from pagan religions. Like if you just read the Old Testament, like you don't even have to read it. If you just open the New Testament, you will you will realize that that is the most that is the most I don't want to say idiotic is is that rude it's the dumbest thought theologically that I think that people can have no God doesn't accept 
the worship of other religions. When the Israelites put up this gold, this gold cow, what did, what did he do? What, what did God do? Right? Of course he doesn't accept the, the worship of other religions. Look at how, uh, Look at the judgment that is poured out onto the Israelites when they turn and worship idols and other gods. Look at every passage in the New Testament where Jesus talks about him being the only way to salvation. If Jesus is the only way to salvation, then clearly he shouldn't accept any other worship that's outside of that way to salvation. And so all of that to say that biblical literacy is down. And uh, over, I, I heard Jen Wilkin, just a fantastic speaker. I totally recommend you guys checking her out. She's just a brilliant theologian. She said that the gap between uh, expert on the stage, the pastor, and the amateur in the audience, the congregation, is becoming ever more so, ever more so big. I don't know. It's becoming larger. I'm trying to get words. The The gap between the expert on the stage and the people in the congregation is getting larger. And so I'm going to use the summit, my, my church, as an example. J.D. Greer is an is a master at what he does. He walks through a text. He, he, he just brilliantly draws out all the theology and explains it in a way where people can take it, apply it to their life, and leave both convicted and, and encouraged. Uh, J.D. Greer has truly mastered what he does. He's an expert. However, in a church that size, roughly 12,000 people, there are there are people in the audience who just kind of sit there and and don't take anything in, or don't don't check the spirit. Right. In a church that large, like a, a lot of times and this doesn't happen at just large churches, it can happen at small churches. But what happens is, is the people in the congregation just kind of take the word of the person who's on the stage and just take it home and are like, okay, let's do it. And and because they don't know what the Bible says, and sometimes that can allow uh, false teaching to sneak into the church. Now, I don't have a doubt that J.D. Greer is a false teacher at all. Like, I, I check what he says. Like, I, I look in the Bible. I make sure that what he says aligns with what I what the Bible says. I do that, but I don't think everyone in the summit does that. And I do believe that if J.D. Greer got up on the stage... And you take out all the church staff and the people who would be quick to catch it, all the other pastors, you remove them from the equation, and he just started preaching something, there would not be a lot of people in that congregation that would be able to be like, oh, wait, that's not right. It's because they don't know what the Bible says for themselves. And if you don't know what the Bible says for your, for yourself, then you've pretty much turned into what the Catholic church was back in the 1600s, the 1500s, 1600s, right? What, what the church back then was doing was they didn't, they didn't give the people the Bible in their language, and so you had to take what the priest was saying as the Bible. But what happened was is they would, the priest would twist it and do whatever he wanted with the text, and the people had no idea that the priest was doing all these things to the text. We, we're somehow doing that now just willingly. We just kind of are just ignorantly, yeah, like just take whatever he says as truth and move on with it. But we need to understand that we are called to test the spirits. And I think, like, I don't think, I know that God wants us to be able to do that. I mean, it's in the scriptures. And so I think the lack of biblical literacy is because people aren't studying the word for themselves. And I think that's where systematic theologies, more importantly the Bible, but systematic theology and biblical theology become more important. Because if, if a church congregation 
took it upon themselves to walk through a systematic theology or to walk through the 1689 or to walk through a biblical theology, uh, of course, with already being assumed that they're already walking through the Bible, then they would be more apt, oh, oh, the doctrine of sin, doctrine of sin. The Bible says that that when we sinned, we, we were separated from God. And in Genesis, it tells us that, that Adam and Eve were removed from the garden and were not allowed to come back. And then that curse carried out through the generations. Like, we can, we can understand what the doctrine of sin says. And then when someone gets up on the stage and says, guys, we're just a little broken. Like, we're not, like, we can fix ourselves. We can, we can reach this point where, where we're not that broken. Uh, we can save ourselves. We can do these things. Then, then we can see it. Then we know because we know what the doctrine we know what the Bible says we know what the doctrine of sin says, and when someone teaches something against that, well then red flag we're ready to go, and uh, systematic theologies and of course the Bible do this very well, um, and so yeah those are my three things that I think reasons why we should read uh, it, not read systematic theology but just study the Bible. Those are my three reasons why I think we should study the Bible. Uh, one, because I think we're called to study the Bible. Two, because I just really enjoy it. And three, because we need to educate ourselves. Uh, to Because if we don't, the church w- will unintentionally get filled with false teachers. And we won't even know it. And so I am really excited to walk through this systematic theology with you guys. Uh, I will leave a link to... Um, the Amazon page where you can get this uh, systematic theology in the show notes. And uh, I'm so excited. The first, the first uh, section is uh, the person of God. And so we are the being of God and the work of God. And so I am excited. It's the first 131 pages and it's just all talking about the being of God. So some of the things that we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks are the existence of God, the knowledge of God, the relation, uh, of the being and attributes of God, the names of God, the uh, the things that are incommuni- incommunicable and the things that are communicable. Interesting. I'm excited. And then the Trinity. Um, and then the works of God include the divine decrees, predestination, creation, uh, creation of the spiritual world, creation of the material world, and the providence of God. And so, the, I mean, those are just parts of what we're going to be diving into the next few weeks. So I hope you guys are excited. I hope that this doesn't scare you away. I hope this excites you. This is $13 on Amazon. Literally, if you don't have the money to get it, email me and I will send it to you. Um, This is a fantastic resource uh, and I totally recommend getting your hands on it. Guys, our website is going through some transitions. And so if you, for whatever reason, you go to grace-nation.com and it's down or there's some issues, please don't freak out. It should be back up within the next few days. It's not down right now. I'm just in the process of migrating servers. And so there's just a few, there's just a few weird things that I have to take care of. And there's a few, yeah, it's just a lot of stuff that I'm working through. So please just be patient with me on that. The store is still up and fully functional. You can check that out. Grace-nation.com slash shop. You can check out all of our new stuff. We got new white dad hats. We got phone cases, which are awesome. We got stickers. We got the whole shebang. And so I, I hope that you guys will uh, take advantage of that and help out the ministry in turn. Uh, yeah. So guys, I'm excited for this for this journey that we're going to embark on. Uh, I say this every week. Every week. You are beautiful. 
and you are one of a kind. Until next time, take care and God bless.